0: IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Keeveman, and it's great to be with you here this fabulous, wonderful afternoon. And I was tuned in to the previous show, the DL Link show, the gentleman who was being interviewed by Nikki sibarini It was a fascinating discussion to listen to, although I didn't catch the entire talk I did get to hear the last final bit and talking a little bit about the fear of death. And all I could think is that indeed, it's something that a lot of people are afraid of. I mean, there is, in fact, a term for it. I think it's called fanatophobia, which means the fear of death, which many people are afraid of. And just imagine for a moment, a world without death, where basically practical consequences Mm, such as overpopulation or people running out of food or whatever concerns you have at a regular basis wouldn't be any issue. Would you live differently? If that were the case, do you think that life without the fear, the concern of death would be meaningful and purposeful? I think procrastinators would be a lot more common because why get something done? You know, Adam lived 930 years. It's a long life. I could always get things done a little later and later and later. So today, especially based on what I heard In the discussion of the previous show, which was so meaningful and purposeful and uplifting to hear the story of that individual, I was thinking we should talk a little bit about Judaism's perspective, how death or the awareness of our mortality actually can improve our quality of life. And so... Let's talk about that today. If you have a perspective on it, please don't hesitate. Send your messages here into the studio SMS 34519 or WhatsApp which is free 0618951019 again. 0618951019 and we could talk about how life is formed by our awareness of our mortality of death. Looking forward to chat with you. Hi fm your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. I am Rabbi Ari Kivman, and I'd like to share with you Chai FM is many things to many people. Chai FM is your source of the latest news from the Middle East. Chai FM is your platform for learning. Chai FM is your companion, and Chai FM is your connection to a greater community. For 10 years, Chai FM has brought you award-winning radio, and now they're asking you to partner with us. On Lagba Omer, that's next Thursday, the 23rd of May for the High FM Feed Our Fire Radiothon, where you help us to keep bringing you everything that keeps us great, keeps us a great radio station. Call Pledge Challenge. It's next Thursday. The call center number 010-140-4090. It's High FM. Unprescribed, unscripted, uncensored. And ladies and gents, with that in mind... You're welcome to join us here in our discussion in the studio, taken off from the previous show, the DL link. And one of the thoughts that came to my mind is what the Gemara tells us about our patriarch Avraham Avinu. You know what it says by Avraham? That Avraham was aged, he was getting on in his years. And the Talmud discusses this and says... Why only by Avraham? Why don't we hear this by Adam, by Eve, by Noah, by any of the predecessors who preceded them? And the Talmud basically explains that actually, until Avraham, there were no signs of physical aging. There was no way that you saw in a person, basically, I guess you reached a certain age and you looked the same for the rest of your life. Wouldn't that be cool in today's day and age? You know, you pick your age. Maybe you could even select how you want to look. No need for Botox. No need for any types of cosmetic surgeries. You're looking good. And you won't get wrinkles. You won't look old. Fabulous. And yet, the Talmud says, Avraham Avinu, our great patriarch, Avraham, prays to God that he could look old. Now, I think this this sounds quite bizarre, quite strange to our modern ears. Why on earth would Abraham pray to get old? Think about today's era where we have a multi-billion dollar industry of all types of cosmetic products that make us look younger and younger and people buying all types of creams and going for surgeries and whatever other, whatever other options are out there to get them to look younger. And yet, the Gemara says that Avram wanted to look older. I want to also share another interesting thing that the Talmud continues with. It says that until Yaakov, until our great patriarch Jacob Isaacson, there was no disease. People just suddenly died. Yet when Yaakov came around, Yaakov prayed to God. He said he wants to get sick. Now you may have heard this idea, actually, that... Until that point, a person would sneeze, and as soon as they sneezed, their soul would exit them. And in fact, the Talmud quotes the verse that describes the beginning of creation, where it says, Vayipach ba'apav that when the first, when God created Adam, God breathed a soul of life into his nostrils. And so, when the person's soul was to exit them, it was the same means, the sneeze would come, and soul would leave the person. Well, Yaakov prays that he shouldn't just die with a sneeze, but rather we should have some time, some time to say farewell to his family. And so disease came about, and Yaakov was sick for some time until he passes on, which is, by the way, parenthetically, why you hear people say, Gesundheit, zu gesund, or... Whatever other wishes you hear people say to life when you hear that a person sneezes, people say, bless you, or whatever other expressions in various languages. And of course, this brings to mind why on earth would Avram want to look old? Maybe you want to share your perspective. Are there advantages to looking old? I work with senior citizens, and that's why I'm fascinated by this particular topic. I want to discuss this because I'm curious. Now, when I discussed this previously with the elderly who I'm involved with, some said, well, when you look old, you get the advantage of people uh, letting you go ahead in line or giving you types of honors. I'll share a story. i hope uh, change a little bit of a detail just to not offend or insult anyone. But I was at a function recently and the host says to me, listen, Rabbi, I really adore you and everything else that he appreciates and respects me. He says, but there's a limited number of honors that I could, that I could actually dispense at this celebration. And so I'm sorry, I'm going to give it to the, I'm going to do it in age order. I'm going to give it to this other rabbi who's older than you. And I had a quiet chuckle inside myself and laughed because the rabbi's a few years younger than me, but he looks much older than I do. Now, uh, I will appreciate and accept God's Giving me whatever, you know, I tell myself I'm eighteen. I know someone who doesn't like to disclose his age. He says, Age is a number, mine is unlisted. So we each have our our, our looks and our ages, and thank God for that. And thank God if we if people think I look young, why not? It's a good thing to be. And indeed, I've no forrible that a rabbi a few years junior myself. But looks of your senior, and maybe he's much wiser than myself. Indeed, I will certainly accept that, and he got the, the yichus, the honor at this celebration. But the question is, what advantages are there to looking old? You see that my colleague was given an honor at this simcha. Is that an advantage? Maybe people will let you skip the queue when you're standing in lines at the supermarkets. Maybe there's some other Benefits of looking older, but then why are there so many people who try to avoid and try slowing down their aging process? So if I asked you, um, if you were Avraham or if Avraham were to take a vote, would you vote for Avram's request that people should start aging and looking older? And what about Yaakov? You know, I contrast that with myself and my wife, Unfortunately, we both lost a parent the same year. This goes back 13 years ago. And my mom, of blessed memory, who wasn't well for a number of years, she was diagnosed with a dreadful disease called aplastic anemia in 2001, and she passed away in 2006. And then my wife, her father, was suddenly killed in a tragic car accident. And just to contrast the two situations, whereas I had... Four and a half years, five years of saying goodbye to my mom, of of saying farewell, of knowing what's coming. In fact, on a side note, when my mother was diagnosed in 2001, the doctor said she had only six weeks left to live. Those six weeks were the slowest, most dreadful weeks of my life. And then when six weeks passed, and of course we were seeking all types of medical treatment and of course praying to God, and six I came home that day and my mom was still alive and I was so excited and that every moment that day was dreadful. What's going to happen? What's going to be? And then it was six weeks and a day, six weeks and two days. And it, it nearly lasted six years. Thank God. And those were the most incredible years that of quality that I was able to have with my mother. Even if I wasn't home all the time, I, I was already here in South Africa as a rabbinic student, as an apprentice at Chabad house at the time. But, That already, there was an amazing advantage. I was able to call my mom every day and speak with her, and spend time with her, and be with her, even if it was sometimes walking on eggshells, even if it wasn't all so rosy during that time. But we had her. And then came the accident where my wife's father was killed, and there was no opportunity to say farewell, to say goodbye. So to think about the contrast of why Yaakov requested that one shouldn't just die with a sneeze, Where one gets sick, one's able to take, one's able to have that time. And you think about these ideas in Western culture today, a lot of people think of old age as a curse. I sometimes bless people. They should live a long life. In fact, I have an insurance policy. I tell my congregants, if you come to shul for the next 120 years, I promise you, you'll have long life. So there's some good deals that go on out there. We, we're dispensing good life pills. But we look at the anti-aging industry today, and you look at pharmacies, you go into any chemist and you see the aisles filled with all these funny birthday cards that are poking fun, that are making fun of the tragedy of one's birthday. And you know how we, like like myself, oftentimes lie about our ages. If we think about this, the core of people's fear of aging goes back to the previous show. There's that fear of death, which obviously, if you're lucky enough, then aging is a precursor to it. And the fear of facing and contemplating our own mortality is something that a lot of people struggle with. And it's quite admirable to hear a person saying the terms they've come to, and not just that, to realize, I'm going to live a good long life. And the quality that that life is going to be, that was something amazing to hear and refreshing. But we have to realize that whatever age we're at, carpe diem, seize the day, seize the moment, suck the marrow out of life, really to enjoy every moment. And that's why we have our high seniors program at Chabad House, because old age is in fact a wonderful blessing. It's a time when people, obviously we discussed before, you could be treated in, in wonderful ways. But to think about, it's a time of greater maturity, of wisdom, of clarity, of emotional stability, and of life experience. I revere and respect older people. In fact, regardless what university they did or didn't attend, they have gone through life. In fact, the University of Hard Knocks, nothing beats that. They know what life is. And so I think it's something to revere, to to honor, to respect, to look forward to. I look forward to my old age, although at this stage of life, I cherish my youth. And of course... There is the fear of illness before death and that's not necessarily associated with old age. That fear is something that's oftentimes discussed on the dealing show. I think far worse than any physical pain that a person suffers is that emotional fear. You hear it over and over on the dealing show. The emotional fear that a person has with the impending days of their ...of their illness, of the disease, of whatever it is that they're going through... ...the separation that they know they're going to be separated from their loved ones. And on the other hand, as I reflected on my experience with my mom... ...that illness before death, in fact, could be a tremendous blessing. It provides time to say goodbye. If one needs to, one can make amends. You could issue any last instructions... Whereas, I know the other side of it, when it's sudden, where there's no opportunity to just, there's nothing, no one has, there's no parting words, and it's very difficult indeed. And you could think that, based on that fear of death, a lot of people don't appreciate the blessings that old age, in fact, really has. And so... As director of Chabad seniors programs, I'm actually studying and spending time looking at the sheries of many great philosophers. In fact, particularly, I'm at the moment studying John Dewey and Malcolm Knowles, who discussed the idea of andragogy of of learning, of studying one's older age and the benefits of that, and how much wisdom older people have that they could share with the younger. The it's amazing. So. If we could acknowledge and realize that from a Jewish perspective, we're listening to Soul to Soul. Who are we really? Why is this show called Soul to Soul? Because the real me is my soul. And indeed, when we pass on from this world, it's only our bodies that are interred. And we won't go into detail of what happens, what the Mishnah says happens to our body. But the real me is my soul. And the soul endures forever. The soul continues into the eternal life After we die, the soul is going back to its native habitat from where it comes from, where it's comfortable, where it's at home, where it experiences great pleasure. And therefore, if we could appreciate the fact of the matter is that the reason we cry, we mourn the tragedy of death is because we miss our loved one, not because they're going to a terrible place. Death, in fact, from a Jewish perspective, is something that cannot even be prematurely imposed by anything. Whether it's illness, an accident, or even evil deeds or another person's negligence. None of that can cause a person to die early. Of course, when terrorism happens, when a tragedy happens, we cry, we mourn because it is despicable, it is sick to see... This type of behavior in the world. And we don't understand. It's beyond our comprehension and imagination. When someone young is plucked from. Life. But we also acknowledge. That it can't happen without God's approval. And we also realize. That. When a person. Dies. They're moving on to a better place. As cliche as that sounds. So. It's up to us to actually live a spiritual life that transcends death. I don't know that a person could overcome the fear of death, the fear of being separated from the loved ones, but to realize that... Do we really need to have that fear? And I think that's what I was so admired by what the gentleman said in the previous show. If we weren't scared to die then how would we live differently? And when I listened to that man say how he's going to live every moment of his life with with more purpose and meaning, that was so inspiring. So that, I think, is living a good life, transcending death, not afraid of it, and realizing, in fact, it's this world where there's so much we could achieve and accomplish that you cannot do in the next world as good as the next world might be. There's a wonderful song It talks about It's a fabulous, great song that I grew up with. talks about the next world. Paradise is wonderful. It's fabulous. But the opportunity to perform mitzvahs in this world, to do a good deed, to put a smile on someone's face, to lend a helping hand, that you can't do in the world to come. And that's why, indeed, we got to seize every moment that we have in this world. So if we won't fear death, if we're able to transcend, to overcome that challenge, then in fact, I want to go into a Mishnah. This Shabbos we're going to study the third chapter of Perki And the, mish- the Mishnah that came to mind is the one of Akavya B'mahalalo, one of the great Talmudic sages. And he tells us, advarim, If you consider three things, that will prevent you from committing any sin. What are those these what are those three things that He recommends you should consider? Number one, Dame basa. think know where you come from. La to where are you going? And you gotta recognize before whom we're destined to give a judgment and an accounting. And he goes on in the Mishnah. And he asks, May Basa, where do you come from? Mitipa Srucha from a putrid drop. That's it. You look at where man comes from. And he says, Ula Anatuch, you want to know where you're going? Limakum Afar Rima vesalea," We're heading to a place of dust, maggots, and worms when the body disintegrates. What do you think is down there in the dust of the earth? And finally, before whom we're going to have to give that reckoning, that judgment and accounting of our life. Before the Supreme King of Kings, the Holy One Blessed Be He. To just think about what, where we come from and where we're heading. And when we're back, I'm going to want to dissect that Mishnah a little bit and just to consider perhaps A little more of the meaning, the understanding of that Mishnah. Because after all, we're going to be studying it this Shabbos afternoon. Wouldn't it be nice to get some insights into that? We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. And we're back soul to soul. My friends, I got an important message to you from the marketplace. Pick and pay Norwood Hyper. Have these pocket saving sweet deals just for you. Fries, meat-free and bry style sausages at twenty-five ninety-nine per kilo. Pick and pay. Kosher chicken flatty is assorted at very low sixty-nine ninety-nine per kilo. Pick and pay. Kosher regular classic cola, two liters for just nine ninety-nine each. And then you get frozen petite hake filet, just sixty-nine ninety-nine per kilo. Catch these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper, and only while supplies last. Pick and pay. Hypernoid, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. So we talked about a Mishnah. And this Mishnah is a who tells us to consider these things: where you come from, where you're going, and the reckoning we're going to have to give at the end of our lives. Now to just think about these, to just think about the message where we contemplate our mortality, where we come from, where we're going. And if we could keep that in mind often, that's why I say, Staka, consider this might prevent us from foolish bad choices that we sometimes face. It maybe helps us to prioritize, to remain focused on what's really important and of lasting value. How often do we get stuck doing things we realize we squandered our time away? And so this is a very important message that we we shouldn't crave nothing. We shouldn't focus on on nonsense. We should focus on what's really, truly eternal, what's everlasting. Not that what's here today and gone tomorrow. There was a famous multi-billionaire Jew from Toronto who passed away a couple of years back or maybe a few decades back. And he left his kids a will, in fact, two wills. And he said to his kids, I want you to open one before Shiva and the second one after Shiva first one before his funeral, the second one after the Shiva, seven days of mourning period. So they opened the first will and he requests to be buried in his favorite pair of socks that he bought special to be buried in. They beg the Heber Kadisha, they implore, they say, please. Their father was a tremendous benefactor of theirs. He was a philanthropist. He gave very benevolently and kindly and generously to them. And the Hevra Kedisha says, listen, we have to abide by Orthodox Jewish law, by halacha. We cannot change it. They begged, they pleaded. The kids were very disappointed, but they couldn't bury their father in the socks. And you can imagine what they were feeling after that. However, their feelings dissipated. They changed when they opened the second will, which was after they got up or during the days of Shiva morning. And he said to them, by now you've realized that I couldn't be buried in my socks and he basically told his children, "There's nothing we could take with us. One is buried in shrouds and tachrichim, and the only things we do take with us are the things that are of the real, true value, those that are eternal and everlasting." There's a famous story about Moses Montefiore when he was asked by the Queen of what his what his financial standing, what his financial value was, and uh, he said that he gave a number that was much less than his actual value and they, they they were totally flabbergasted. They said, How could you give us this number? Is this why are you lying to us? Why are you deceiving us? And his answer was that the sum that I gave you is my real value. Because what I told you was the money that I gave out in Sadaka, that I gave in charity, that I helped other people with he says, that's truly mine. Nobody could take that away from me. The rest, who knows what could happen, whether financial Climate could change, whether it could be confiscated, whether his business goes mechula, whatever happens. But that which he's given, that is truly his, and nobody could take away from him. And I think that's, again, a profound lesson. You are surely familiar with the story of Alfred Nobel. He is most famous for the Nobel Prizes that are constantly awarded to people who have been achieving, accomplishing, contributing to improving our world. However, his story goes back in the 19th century. He was very famous for inventing and manufacturing dynamite. And when his brother died, the newspapers confused the two and they published the headline said, the merchant of death is dead. You can imagine what he thought, what was running through his mind that this is the obituary, this is the eulogy, this is what he's remembered for. And he decided he was going to change his legacy, what he's going to be remembered for. And that's why he established the Nobel Prizes. And to this very date, his estate, his foundation, his funds are still paying for the Nobel Prizes. And you just think about how when a person is able to contemplate their mortality and to think about their death, and this person happened to be very lucky where he was able to change his legacy, you just think about how profound that is. And a Mahalal in the Mishnah, in chapter 3 is telling us, he's not suggesting that we avoid sin by walking around depressed and morose all day thinking about oh, how worthless we are. We just come from a putrid drop, and we're going to be returning to dust and maggots. That's not his point. I think he's suggesting that we have to periodically remind ourselves that our bodies are going to stay behind. And in fact, he describes quite graphically what's going to happen to our bodies. But oftentimes we get so caught up in our bodily needs and our pleasure of this world and in competition and keeping up with the Joneses. And we just got to remind ourselves, that our existence runs much deeper than our material success and pleasure. And I think that's an extremely liberating thought. It's something that could actually, could actually, it's something worth celebrating in life, that we shouldn't get distracted and stressed out by what we think we need. And to just think about this idea, I think it's uh, quite sobering and puts us into a much better place. Maybe some of our stresses in life could evaporate with this knowledge, with this recognition. And maybe it's worthwhile studying that Mishnah from time to time. That's why he's saying, He's Stakel. He's Stakel. you got to reflect. you got to think about this, about these three things. I think we're all aware of where we come from and where we're headed. But that awareness doesn't do the trick. We need to reflect on these ideas. Occasionally at least. And then we could achieve the result. We could stay focused on what's truly meaningful. What's of value that indeed we're going to have to give a reckoning to the one above. How did we utilize every moment of our life? And that's why perhaps the Talmud says that in order to combat the Sahara, the Gemara says we got to remember the Yom Amisa, the day of our passing. Again, it's not telling us that we have to remember death itself. We gotta live a morbid life where we're always thinking about when we're gonna die. But I think the mission is telling us that we gotta think about the day. What's gonna happen? What are you doing that day? What are we gonna take pride in or regret in that day? I always think about Steve Jobs, what he wrote about before his death about the difference between a $3, $30, $300, $300,000 $300, watch, they all sell, they all tell you the same time. So is it about showing off? Is it about your investment? Is it about a status, status symbol? What is it about? Why we oftentimes like to show off. And as they say, you only live life once. So just. Seize the moment. I'm not saying that that's the that's the ultimate Jewish idea. The idea within Judaism is that actually we don't just live our life once, but it's not about kicking the bucket and having your bucket list and all those ideas. And you know they say, "You drink and be merry for tomorrow we die." You know there's a Mishnah that says that you got to do teshuva the day before you're gonna die, and why? Because you don't know what day you're going to die. Nobody knows the day they're going to die. But rather the mission is telling us, again, a profound message and lesson. That if you do teshuva, or if you live your life meaningfully and purposefully, how would you want to spend the day, the last day of your life? And that's what the mission is telling us here. Is that if we could live our life with realizing, not being depressed about our mortality, but to prioritize, to remain focused on what's important. Do you really need to be caught up on another faribble and another problem? Is that what you're going to be spending your, your last moments watching another season of Game of Thrones or whatever it might be? Rather to live life with a positive attitude. And we'll talk more about that in a moment when we're back. Branding is what people say about you when you aren't in the room. To find out how High FM can work for your brand, call us on 10 140 FM, 101.9 MHz of life. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. We are indeed living every moment of life. And perhaps the idea we discussed before could be quite humbling that we realize uh, how vulnerable we are and and all the aspects of our mortality. But I don't want to focus on something else, which I think is a lot more important, which is living in the now. If I were to ask you, what's more valuable, time or money? What do you say is more valuable to yourself? Time or money? Let's hear your thoughts. Come on, send them in 0618951019. Now, a lot of people I find talk about time. Of course, they want to sound very... Righteous, pious, uh, you know, self-righteous somewhat. But obviously time is is the more precious of the two commodities, time or money. But the reality is that most of us don't live our life with that truth, myself included. And so there's a wonderful song Avon Fried sings. It actually comes from the Gemara. Um, It talks about... Adam doyeg al-damov. What does a person worry about? Al-ibud damov. About his loss of damov, his money. V'eina adam doyeg al-ibud yamov. But people aren't as concerned about the loss of time. Even if they say it, we're more worried about our money. And says the Gemara, the problem is that that the money will not help. It doesn't buy you happiness. And Whereas the days will never return. You cannot turn the clock back. It's never going to go back to the time it was before. So we got to think about money is what they call in economics... I have a degree in economics, so I once studied that, don't know what I did with it, but they call money, it's something that is fungible. Money is something that, you know, you borrow, you return, the same rand, you don't, it doesn't need to be the same exact rand, it's something that's replaceable. Money is fungible, it's replaceable. But time, time is never replaceable. Moments, every minute is not only so precious, it's indispensable. So why do we care so much about money? Why do we, why are we not as concerned about wasted time than we are about wasted money? And so this is something that I think we ought to think about a little bit more in our lives. And perhaps I could share with you some of the, some of the thoughts that I hear from working with elderly people. Firstly, there's a, a great book that came out a number of years ago, which talks about the Top five regrets of the dying. And that book, I'll share with you some of the regrets that come to mind that, that some of the people dying talk about. But the number one regret that that book mentions is people said they wish they had the courage to live a life that's true to themselves, not a life that others expected of them. Live a life that you are proud of, that, that's truly your life. Other concerns, other regrets some people had was that they wished that they hadn't worked so hard or they wish that they had the courage to express their feelings or that they stayed in touch with friends, or they allowed themselves to be happier. I believe the book goes through about 50, 50 different regrets of people, and it's worthwhile looking at them and getting an idea, what are the most common regrets people have? I'm sure there are some that are unique, but these are the most popular ones, and just to think about that, if we were able to live our life without regrets, to think about how we won't procrastinate, and by the way, that's what I was mentioning earlier, the fact that God changed things. In the past it was, people have had immense longevity. They lived for hundreds of years. Now it doesn't work that way any longer. And now perhaps if we appreciate the value of time, we know that, who knows, Yesterday's history. Tomorrow is a mystery. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but today's a gift of God. That's why it's called the present. And if we could acknowledge and recognize that. We won't procrastinate and put off the important things for tomorrow. And why is it that sometimes, you know, we're counting now the days of the Omer, Sphira to Omer. And it's not just about counting every day. Sphira means about making every single day count. It's the meaning of the very word Sphira itself is not just of counting. It's related to suffer to tell the story of life or Sapphire of making every day shine to be a brilliant, bright light in your life. And so if we could... Realize and cherish and appreciate how every moment of life is indeed so, so precious. So we would live our lives, I think, in a much different and better way. What other messages have I learned from seniors or perhaps things that I've discussed with them that I think the golden years are an opportunity that a person could really, really live with the intrinsic value of time. Because if you think about the importance of today. Not only because life is short. Or because you never know which day is, so to say, the last. But today has a value of its own. Just because today is an indispensable day. We we, we shouldn't put off for tomorrow what we could do today. We have an opportunity to... Uplift someone's life, to add meaning and purpose to your own life, to change the world in a good way. Do it. Make the best. Do whatever you can. The Baal Shem Tov tells us that not a single day of our life should pass without growing spiritually. Today is important because it itself is of indispensable value. And there's a certainly godly potential that the Baal Shem Tov teaches us that this day has, that's waiting for us to discover and to actualize through the mitzvahs we do today. And we could elevate time itself. We could in fact refine every moment. We could elevate this moment to be the most special moment that there is. And so my plea, my appeal to people in their older years and the In the golden years is not not to retire, not to allow yourself to deteriorate by looking for things to do, by looking for things to accomplish. As I once heard an old man say, you know, it's a good, quiet retirement. Most days I do nothing, but it takes me all day to do it. Don't live a life of doing nothing. There's so much good that you could do every day, so much you could accomplish, so much you could achieve. And you know at Chabad House, we offer our Chabad Seniors Club where people could come and learn and and socialize and network and actually give because part of our program is our tech tutors where we have youngsters who come in and they teach you how to use technology. And some of the seniors teach them, teach the youngsters how to do their math, the sciences, the homework, whatever it might be that they could assist them and teach them. You have so much wisdom to impart. And so, Less kvetching, rather to find productive ways of living one's golden years. And I think that is a really very important thing that one could do. And there are opportunities. Every shul is shiurim and lectures. I don't know if there's anyone else who offers such a thorough program as we do at Chabad House. So join us at Chabad House or make your own club if that's something you want. We're happy to host. We're happy to help. We're happy to offer the lectures, the workshops, the shiurim. Let me share with you, before I go, one thing the Gemara says. The Gemara says that you got to look up. You got to look at the older years and how to use them in the most productive way possible. Because as the body's power diminishes in one's old age, you could transition and spend that time... Maybe one wants to slow down, but you could use that time to mentor others, to share your wisdom, to share your experience. You could be, they, you, I know they have it, forgetting the name of the organization in our community, but one of the wonderful organizations that offers a mentorship for people who are going into business. So there's so much one could do and there's so much more I want to share, but the time to end our show is here. So ladies and gents, The message that I like to say is utilize every moment, live every day to its fullest. And if you do that, I think that you will really have a truly meaningful life. So just to recap a few of the ideas that we said, well, I don't know, I think Akavya said, just think about the way that you're going to, you know, where you come from, where you're going, and you live the most meaningful life you've ever thought of. Carpe diem. Have a wonderful Shabbos. And the message of Pesach Sheni that's coming up on Sunday is, it's never too late.